Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Okay, let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Spiritual exercises are good, just like physical exercises are good. Amen. One helps us temporally. One other helps us eternally. Amen. Praise God. I want to talk to you this morning about being God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece is the title of our message this morning. We're going to look at the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 from the New Living Translation. It says this, for we are God's masterpiece. Have you ever considered yourself to be a masterpiece? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Boy, that long ago goes all the way back to the very beginning when he made man in his own image and likeness. Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, he became a living soul. God wanted someone, a family, that would come out of his being. The angels didn't qualify or other creatures or created things didn't qualify. Only man qualified because only man was created by God in his image and in his likeness. Can you say amen? amen. But guess what? Man did not cooperate. He didn't, did he? He fell. As a result, he messed up God's dream for a family. And so God who loved the world had to do what? Send his only begotten son to redeem us from our fallen state. To reconcile us back to the Father so we could become one with him, partake of his divine nature, and be his offspring, be his children. Where his dream come true, his family. Now in the book of Ephesians, we have a revelation given to us by the Apostle Paul. It's a beautiful revelation. It's a wonderful revelation, and it's a powerful revelation that Jesus gave Paul after he was born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, and became a child of God. In this book, we're told who we were before Christ. We're told what God did for us in Christ. We're told what we have in Christ right now. And also we're told and taught what God expects of us now that we become the children of God. Those four things are revealed to us in this wonderful book called the book of Ephesians. We're going to explore some of it. How far we get, we'll see. Amen? Is that okay? We'll see. But before we do, let me give you a couple of definitions. Number one, a masterpiece. A masterpiece is one's greatest work. Greatest piece of work. Whether it's art, whether it's sculpturing, whatever it might be, it's the greatest piece. A consummate example of what? Skill and experience. A masterpiece. But then also there's what is called handiwork in the Bible in Psalm 19 and verse 1. 
the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his what? His handiwork or work done by his hand. So keep those thoughts in mind. What it means to be a masterpiece and a work of God's hand. Now, first of all, number one. Who we were before Christ. Who were we before Christ? Well, Paul gives us this revelation. Look in the book of Ephesians once again. Let's read these verses of scripture here. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 1, New Living Translation. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, no one's excluded, used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger or wrath or judgment just like everyone else. Every single one of us. He's talking to these people and he's saying before Christ, this is what you were. You were under the wrath of God. Under the inspiration of Satan. Actually, we're going to exactly say what Paul's saying we are. We were walking dead men. Number one, we're walking dead men. You realize that that's what we were before? Look in First Peter. I'm sorry, First Timothy. Chapter 5, look at verse 6. But she that lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. You know what that means to be dead while you live? When we separated from God, we were dead even though we were alive physically. We were dead in spirit even though we were alive physically. Every person that's out there in the world today who is not born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, is dead while they live. Think about that. Separated from God. No way back to God. But thank God He sent Jesus to reconcile that. So we were walking dead men. Walking dead women. We were dead to the things of God, dead to the knowledge of God, dead to the love of God. We were dead to the moral laws of God. We were dead to holiness. We were dead to godliness. And the list goes on and on. Actually living our lives in such a way that we thought the things that we did weren't all that bad. Because that's what we were before Christ. And then also, secondly, we were influenced by the prince of the power of the air. Influenced by the prince of the power of the air. Without even knowing it, recognizing it, people are under the influence of satanic forces and powers. Satan is called the God of this world today. There is, a, there is a bit of truth to the devil made me do it. You realize that. We can't excuse ourselves and justify ourselves and say that that's why we did it. But those demonic influences and forces that are out there will do their part to influence people to live wrong. And to do things like kill people, etc., etc., rob stores etc and all the different things that they do so people are under the influence of Satan and don't even know it look at the book of Ephesians chapter 4 Paul makes this very clear this is a result of the fall of man this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. This is the condition of fallen man before Christ. This is how we all were before Christ. We lost the knowledge of God. It is said that a man that uses 10% of his mental faculties is considered to be a genius, which is something to laugh at. Because man used 100% of his power, his brain power, before the fall, 
So apparently he lost 90% of his mental faculties, which was all the knowledge of God. And he only uses 10% of his brain power. Imagine that. We lost 90% of our mental powers because of the fall of man. Darkened in our thinking. And that 90% knew God, knew the love of God, knew the laws of God, walked with God, understood God, communicated with God. That's what we were before we became Christians. Influenced by satanic influences and forces, not even realizing it. Living our life a way that God didn't want us to live. Destitute of knowledge, destitute of the fear of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, just destitute of everything that God stood for. Number three, we were then in a condition Paul states, without Christ, having no hope and without God in the world. Think about that. That's what all of us were like before Christ. Look in the book of Ephesians once again, in chapter 2 and verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Can you imagine being in that state? With man, it's impossible to be saved. But with God, all things are possible. But he is saying here, look, you Gentiles, before you came to Christ, you were without hope, without, without God in the world. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. God made a covenant with Abraham. Of course, we understand Abraham and his seed, singular, not seeds, plural. So it's not that the children, the natural seed of Abraham, but it's the spiritual seed of Abraham, who is what? Christ. Amen? He made that covenant with them. He made the covenant with Christ. And thank God, because we're in Christ, we're Abraham's seed singular. And heirs according to promise. But he is saying, this is what you were like beforehand. You had no access to God, no way back to God. You were lost eternally. You had no hope whatsoever. And if you were to die in that condition, you'd be separated from God for an eternity in a lake of fire. And it would not be good. It would not be good. That was their condition. That was our condition. Only through the Jews could they have an understanding of a Messiah, understanding of redemption and reconciliation, and how they can be reconciled back to God. So Paul's making it very clear to them, that's what you were like. You had no promise of a Messiah or anything of that nature. Fourthly, they were children of wrath. They were children of wrath. Under the anger of God, under the judgment of God, and once again, ready to be punished eternally. That was their condition before Christ. Everyone's. Corrupt in nature living the way they wanted to live, doing what they wanted to do, having no conscience of what is right and what is wrong. They were bad trees producing bad fruit. We were bad trees producing bad fruit. You say, but I was a pretty good person before I got saved. You're a bad tree. You were a bad tree producing bad fruit. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you, but no matter how good you were, no matter what you did, you were a bad tree producing bad fruit. Because you can't be saved. I can prove that to you. Was Paul not a very religious man? Did Paul not say with his own lips, did he not say, uh, 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 referring to the law, blameless, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, a Jew of the Jews, uh, etc. Remember he, he named all those things about himself. He was so zealous, he was a zealot. He was a religious zealot for the things of God so much so he was persecuting the church of God. He was destroying Christianity, trying to get rid of it by its root, nip it in the bud. And what did Jesus do? He appeared to him and said, you're a bad tree producing bad fruit. That's my own interpretation of that. So let's get you turned around, Paul. Stop it. Okay. That's how we all were. And there's more we could say about that. But every single one of us was doomed to an eternal 
lake of fire. That's what we were like in sin, destitute of the things of God, and on our way to destruction. But thanks be to God, our second point is what God did for us in Christ. What did he do for us in Christ? Look at the same chapter, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. What did he do, um, verse 4 rather, what he did for us in Christ? But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he what? Number one, what did he do? Loved us. Loved us even when we were dead. Notice he did this when you were dead. He did this when I was dead. He did this when we were all dead. Separated from God. Eternally lost. Without hope. Without Christ. In the world. Even when we were dead in sins. Hath he quickened us together. Or made us alive together. What did he do for us? He made us alive with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up. He raised us up together. And made us sit together. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So all this, he loved us, he quickened us, he raised us, he seated us. Look at verse 7. That in the ages come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So now we were lost, we were destitute, we were without hope, we were without God in the world. But thanks be to God, something was done about that dilemma. In Christ, praise God. He quickened us. He raised us. He seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what he did for us in Christ. And it doesn't stop there. He also blessed us. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 3. He blessed us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who had blessed us with all, with all, with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in Christ, what he did for us in Christ, he has blessed us. He has blessed us. Some people say, yeah, don't you wish you were one of the Jewish individuals where he blessed your coming in, he blessed your going out. Oh, my brother and my sister, you got something a whole lot better than that. He blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's nothing more. Whatever they had, the Bible says we've got a better covenant, better promises. Whatever they had, he gave us that and so much more. Why? Because we're not just his servants. We are his sons and his daughters. And he's made a deposit within our lives of every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's blessed us all with. And then... He chose us. Look at the next verse. Verse 4. He chose us. You're chosen. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy without blame before him in love. He chose us to be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose you. He chose me. Next. He adopted us. Look at the next verse. Verse 4. He adopted. Or verse 5. Having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. Uh, you could actually look at it this way. There you are in this room. There's all these babies that are in that room. Or maybe all these little ones that are in that room. Maybe it's a foster care, foster home or whatever. And they're all lined up. And they're all lined up. Maybe some are a little bit older. Some are a little bit younger. And some are even infants or babies. And you're, you're the one that's going to be choosing. You're looking around, looking around, looking around. Oh, that one's cute. And that one's cute. That one's not. I like that. And then you choose this one right here. I'm taking you. That was a decision that you made. When the child finds out that they're adopted... Maybe a little bit sad, a little bit depressed. But then you say, you know what? Of all the children I could have chosen, I chose you. You are so special. 
So when someone's sitting out there and thinking, I'm not, that, I'm not that valuable, I'm not that special, I want you to know that God chose you and God adopted you into his family as an act of his will on purpose. Oh, hallelujah. Look at how special you are. Blessed, chosen, adopted. How about this one? Look at accepted, verse 6. You are accepted to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We're not talking about accepted at Seven Oaks Country Club. We're not talking about accepted at Shadow Lakes Country Club. We're not talking about accepted in the sorority or accepted in the fraternity. We're talking about accepted in the beloved Praise God. They may kick you out of Seven Oaks. They may kick you out of Shadow Lakes. They may kick you out of the sorority. They may kick you out of the fraternity. But I want you to know, hallelujah, you're not getting booted out of the beloved. Praise God. Amen. He accepted you in the beloved. Not based on your performance. Not based on my performance. But based on the performance of our Savior and Lord, the Lord Jesus. This is how faith rises within our hearts. Did you know that? When you know who you are and what you have. And you know you're special to God. And you know He loves you with this kind of proven endless love. That, that no man could possibly love you with. It makes your faith level just go high and rise. Doesn't it? All right, you're chosen, you're accepted. And notice this, you're redeemed and forgiven. You are redeemed and forgiven. You were on the, on the slavery block. You know, you were a slave to sin, slave to death, and all that's connected to it. But praise God, someone came along, look at verse 7, and he purchased you by his blood, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So what Paul is revealing to us is that now that you've come to Christ, you are blessed. You are accepted. You are loved. You've been raised up. You have a position. You have a place. You've been redeemed. Your ransom was paid for. He sought you out. He adopted you. He gave birth to you. You are twice born to God. Twice a part of his family. Born again, birth, and also adopted into his family. Can he say it any more clear? Can he say it any louder? He wants you in his family. You're a part of his family. By birth, by adoption, you're accepted. Amen. Oh, you're in the royal family of God. Now number three, to get to our main point. Number three, who we are in Christ. Oh, who we are, not in ourselves, but who we are in Christ. Look at that verse 10 again from the New Living Translation. We're his masterpiece. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the things he planned for us long ago. We're his greatest piece of work. Next time someone tells you you're a piece of work. You say yes, his greatest. <laughs> I'm glad you agree. <laughs> I'm glad you agree I'm his greatest piece of work can you imagine getting up in the morning looking in the mirror and just saying his greatest piece of work <laughs> yeah I'm a piece of work <laughs> amen this consummate example you see of excellence and skill uh, 
I want you to see, uh, we have a little picture here. Anybody know who that is? The statue of David, right? In Italy they call it Davide. The statue of Davide. Okay. Michelangelo created this out of a ruined piece or block of marble. He sculpted it. And this sculpture of uh, this statue of David, of course, set him apart as to being one of the greatest sculptors of our time, or ever known. When you look at that sculpture, if, let's put it this way, if that sculpture could be animated, do you think that sculpture would just say, I'm a ruined piece or block of marble Michelangelo sculpted into what you see. I'm just a ruined block of marble sculpted by Michelangelo. You think he would say that? When anyone looks at that, when you saw that, did you think in your mind you're a ruined block of marble? Not at all, did you? Then why do Christians say I'm just a sinner saved by grace? Why do so many walk around saying I'm so unworthy? Wait a minute. No, 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 no. That was a ruined block of marble. But David, but Michelangelo saw something like David. And he sculpted it. It became his masterpiece that set him apart. And when you look at it, you don't even consider a ruined block of marble. You see a masterpiece. Beloved, you are his masterpiece. And you were not made that way by God's hands. You were saved by his life. It was not sculpting with his hands. See, he could make the firmament with the work of his hands. But when it came to you, when it came to me, it took something a whole lot more to come up with this masterpiece. This greatest piece of his work. This is the greatest working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And when he raised him from the dead, it was everything that God was and is and has and will ever be that entered into the bowels of the earth and raised him up from the dead. And when he raised him up, he sculpted every single one of us who would accept him as Savior and Lord of our lives. You're his masterpiece. Not the work of his hands, you're saved by his life. Look at Romans chapter 5, I believe it is, in, in verse 10. For we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled by, to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his what? We're saved by his life. And thanks be to God, because he gave his life. We've all become his masterpiece. When you said yes to Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost just descended upon that ruined piece of block called your life. Descended upon that ruined piece of block and sculpted you into a person who was loved, raised, seated, made alive, blessed, praise God, quickened, accepted, chosen, 
and the list goes on and on. You are his masterpiece. Your value and your worth is beyond comprehension. As a matter of fact, as you look at the, let's look at this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are also his new creation. Therefore, if any man, man be in Christ, he is a what? A better translation, he's a new species that never before existed. Old things pass away. Oh, that ruined block of marble has passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're a new man. All things are of God who reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. So we're his masterpiece. We're his new creation. One that never before existed. This isn't just taking something and restoring it back to what it was. This is a whole new creation. And God wants us to see ourselves that way. Because what we do when we start saying things like, I'm not worthy. We start saying things like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. It's almost as if we're putting down God's masterpiece. Who am I? You're God's masterpiece. You may not think it. You may not believe it because you see your flaws, your faults, your failures, and your shortcomings and all that. But I want you to know something. God does not do shoddy workmanship. When God got a hold of you by the Holy Ghost and he entered into your being and he put a new heart and a new spirit inside you and took the old heart, heart of stone out of you, he made you his masterpiece recreated in Christ Jesus to do the works that God called you to do from the very beginning. To love him, honor him, obey him, serve him, live for him, be an ambassador for him, etc., etc. So you are his masterpiece. You are his new creation. And then uh, thirdly, we're his ambassadors. We're his ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative of the highest order. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. You are his ambassador. Now are we ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. You ever watch sometimes on the news when you see ambassadors to foreign lands, foreign ambassadors, etc., etc., and dignitaries, and they're all together, they're all, they got their suits on and all that because they meet with dignitaries and everything. They're very special people, and the government of the United States of America stands behind them, supposedly, we're supposed to stand behind them and defend them, protect them, right, and keep them safe when they're in this foreign land because we're there, and they're, they're there, and they're representing the United States of America, which is a, a high order, of representation. And so we and our government are supposed to stand behind them to keep them safe. And to see to it that we defend them. And that we're here for them. And these, they know. You mess with these ambassadors. You mess with the government of the United States uh, of America. And our militia etc. Right? We know that. You are an ambassador for Christ. You've been sent from heaven above to the earth to represent the highest kingdom known to mankind. When you walk on this earth, praise God, there should be a spring in your step. Praise God, there should be inside your heart the knowledge that you represent the greatest authority that there exists in the planet and, and, and anywhere. You're an ambassador. You're a representative of the highest order in Christ you live. In Him you move. In Him you have your being. And everywhere you go, praise God, you represent Him. He'll stand behind you. He'll defend you. He'll protect you. He'll keep you safe. He's vowed to do that, didn't He? 
You see, if we, have we ever got this revelation that we're ambassadors for Christ? You know how that would change our mentality? Change our way of thinking? Beloved, we're not paupers in this world barely getting along and trying to get by. We are ambassadors for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has vowed to do what? Defend us. So we should thank Him for His presence in our life, His power, His promises, His peace, His provision, His protection. We've got, praise God, the whole kingdom of God standing behind us. Everywhere we go and in all things that we do. And then we are the righteousness of God in Christ. Look at verse 21. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. In verse 21, Paul said it this way, for He made Him to be sin for us. You see, when we use the latter part of this verse, let's not neglect the first part. Thank God we're the righteousness of God in Christ. But how did we get that way? How were we reconciled to God? He made Him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? That we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So, what do we have in Christ? We're a masterpiece in Christ. Thank God we're new creations in Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who we are. But yet, if we walk around with a defeated attitude and we think that the enemy is bigger than our God, no matter what we are in Christ, we'll fail to walk in the fullness of it if we think wrong. A lot of times I think we think that we're going through life and life is a misery and, and all that and we can barely make it and barely, barely get along. But I'll tell you what, if this message ever got into the heart of every child of God and we start seeing ourselves the way we're supposed to see ourselves in Christ and seeing that we're this workmanship, this masterpiece of God in Christ, it'll change our demeanor, it'll change our attitude and the attitude you live by will determine the altitude that you and I climb to in life. Now, finally, look at this. In 1 John chapter 3, we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. You say, oh, I, I knew that. But do we really know that? Do we really know that? We are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Do we really, really know that? 1 John 3 verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we. Now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this that when we shall, he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is every man every man that has this hope in him shall do what? purify himself even as he is pure so now are we the sons of God wait a minute we said at the very beginning God wanted a family he wanted sons and daughters he wanted offspring of his quality I mean coming from him his divine nature angels couldn't satisfy because they weren't made in the image and likeness of God only man was but man fell and because man fell, God had to redeem man. And redeeming man wasn't just a work of his hands. It took the son of the living God to sacrifice his life, to come to the earth and lay his life down, be raised up from the dead, praise God. And when God raised him up, then he would raise up other sons and daughters like unto himself. And when the people would accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, they become masterpieces. They become new creations. They become ambassadors that are forgiven and delivered and set free from all the powers and the hosts of darkness. We're no longer under the jurisdiction of our enemy. We're under the jurisdiction of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have family membership. 
we're born again into the family and adopted into the family and praise God we're special in the sight of God so we shouldn't be saying we should not be saying I'm just an old sinner saved by grace can you see that you were a sinner you've been saved by grace and what are you a masterpiece think about that you're his greatest piece of work that's who you are in conclusion there's not time to get through all this but just look at a couple of these things in number four what he expects of us now you knew we'd get to this didn't you what's he expect of us well look in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind notice where it all takes place in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God after God after God which after God which after God after angels after planets after rivers after trees no after what after God is created in what righteousness and true holiness and then he lists a bunch of things that we're to put off and going down to chapter 5 then in verse 1 and 2 notice what he says here be therefore followers of God as dear children as dear children what are we children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us a sweet, an offering and a, sweet, and a sacrifice to God as a sweet smelling savor. So he is saying then because now you've been born again, because now you've been adopted to his family, because now you're his masterpiece, a new creation and all those things don't exist anymore because now you have the life, the nature, the ability of God in you and greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Now that you're accepted in the beloved, now that you've been chosen by him and you're part of his royal family and now because you can now walk with him, talk with him, experience him, now you're filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now put off this ugly old man that ruined block of marble because you've been crafted by the power and life of God into this masterpiece and let's start walking like it. Let's start acting like it. Amen. Everywhere we go think about it. Say it to yourself. You love it don't you? I know you do. I'm a masterpiece. I can hear you thinking it right now. I'm a masterpiece. I'm his masterpiece. I'm a new creation. I'm a new species. I'm a child of the most high God. All that stuff from the former lifestyle, forget about it. I'm not that anymore. I'm God's masterpiece. Then from chapter 5, and you read through all that, put aside this, set aside that. Don't walk in this. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Be submissive one to another in the fear of God. Husbands love your wife like Christ loved the church. Wives, submit yourself to your husband and their leadership. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Servants, serve your masters the way you're supposed to is if you're serving Christ and after he talks about all those relationships he says, he says finally what's left to do finally roll up your sleeves and finally what's left to do be strong in the Lord and the power of his might take a hold of the whole armor of God and stand against all the fierce darkness forces of darkness and evil that are trying to come against you to make you think otherwise to make you think that you're not a masterpiece to make you think you're not a new creation to make you think you're not an ambassador for Christ who's washed in the blood of the lamb you rise up and stand tall against all these forces of evil 
Have on your breastplate of righteousness, your breastplate of righteousness, have on your helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit in your hand, which is the word of God, and you stand firm against all the ugly forces of evil that are trying to sway you another way and make you think something different about yourself, and you walk around with that spring in your step because you can overcome all the wiles of the devil when you know who you are and what you have in Christ. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? This is what he expects of us. This is what he wants us to do. And then you know what? And then he said he passed out gifts unto men in chapter, uh, chapter uh, 4 as well. And he said, use the gifts that I'm giving you to advance my kingdom upon the earth. So in this book of Ephesians, we have a wonderful, beautiful revelation of who we are in Christ. What we were, what God did for us, who we, who we are right now in Christ, and what God expects of us. It would be nice to have a study, just to have the whole book. What are you doing this afternoon? Anything? You want to stick around? We'll talk about the whole book. But you're a masterpiece. I want to get that message across to all of us. Look at the people around you. Look at all these masterpieces. This is a, the greatest piece of God's work. See, if you could look beyond their flesh, if this could just fall away, Paul said, you've got a building made not with hands, eternal in the heavens. You've got the life, the nature, the power, the ability of God in you. You're the temple of the Most High God. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Let every masterpiece stand up. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. And through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.